everyone's kind of saying the Islanders. I still think it's the Islanders, but the one thing that is key to know here is that Kucherov, we, we don't expect him to play game seven. And if the rumor of him having broken ribs is true, that's going to be pretty hard to put him back in the lineup in the near future. So that'd be one guy you didn't have to worry about in that situation. So it really depends on what happens to Kucherov. But I, I think with the the way that the Montreal Canadiens are just playing, like I don't think they're afraid of anybody at this point. And that's got to be exciting for Habs fans where I, I don't think it matters who they play. But if you're looking from a pure talent standpoint, I think they could hang with the Islanders a bit better. Um, but at the same time, the Islanders just do what the Montreal Canadiens do too, which is just shut down defense. So it's like they play the same style of game, and I would almost be more inclined to say the Islanders would be the better team in that case. But has that mattered in this in the playoffs? The Montreal Canadiens, not a chance. Yeah, exactly. Hey, listen, Stephen, I wanted to ask you this question in the in the sense that what is that magical thing that's happened? You know, some people have said Carey Price has stolen this. We all agree. If the cons or I agree, I, I I'm not. I shouldn't be speaking for you, Jordan. Uh, the cons was was uh, happening today. Carey Price or Shea Weber, you could throw him in there, even though his numbers aren't high. But also that little kid named. Coalfield. He has been unbelievable. Obviously, with Suzuki, you know, being such a small kid and taking thunderous hits from McNabb and jumping back up like he was like he was a, a rock solid, uh, you know, a WWE wrestler. What are your thoughts? What, what's what's the what's the chemistry chemistry of this team that makes it work so well? Really, a lot of it has been Kara Price. Obviously, like he's been outstanding. They needed him to be good because he didn't have the greatest regular season. Like in the, once they got a goalie coach change there, and Sean Burke came in, things did get look a little bit better. But it was that start of the year, and then the injury, where it's like it was not a memorable regular season for him. And then it's been an outstanding playoffs for him. I got a story about it coming on the Hockey News tomorrow. But um, they, they just truly like it's just everyone's just buying into every system. Why not us? Truly has become Montreal's motto here, where just everyone's contributing in a big way. You know, Phil Deneau doesn't have a goal yet, I believe, in this series, but he's been so good in every other way where it's like, you've got to think that this guy's going to make some good money on his next contract. Cole Caulfield, I don't think anyone expected him to be as good as he's been playing. Uh, Kakanemi's been good. Suzuki's been good. This is a team that just looks like every game, it's like they're playing for their life, and that's something you need for the Canadians. Well, Jordan has told me that uh, Deneau, three times on waivers, and that assist on the winning goal was absolutely Absolutely fantastic. So it's amazing how you go through the ebb and flows of a season and a guy like Deneau is almost like a cult hero now uh, in Montreal and he he probably wasn't even playing. Uh, I wanted to ask you this, Jonathan Drouin, obviously, you know, it was his his boyhood uh, dream to play for the Montreal Canadiens. It's been his team. Obviously, have, have we heard anything about him at all? Nothing. And uh, obviously, it'd be a big connection if they do play Tampa Bay in the final because he used to play for the Lightning. And of course, he was involved in that surrogate Jeff Trey. But unfortunately, we don't know what the deal is. Still hoping everything's okay. Actually, you can see my Jonathan Drew in Jersey right there. Uh, there. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of hope that uh, everything's okay. But we, we truly don't know what the situation is. And I, I it's not expected that he will return for the final. Yeah, I mean... Can you hear Sorry, you, you, you were saying something, Gooch? Yeah, I was going to just pop this up, and you can show that picture. Uh, we drove to Montreal yesterday to go to the game. The building was nuts, and the streets were even crazier. Okay, listen, you two are young dudes. I, I don't remember the Morris Richard riot. I do remember what went on in Vancouver, but this is a team that just won and is going to the Stanley Cup, and we're turning police cars off. Charlene, I hope you weren't involved in that. 
Yeah, that's something what Montreal fans have done. Like they're known for that. Unfortunately, that we've seen this in the past when they've won games and just 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 win one game, not even a series, and they're doing this. Uh, I have a, a good friend who who's from Montreal, lives in North Carolina, working in NASCAR now. But he he was like saying like his family was just kind of concerned. Like they live in Montreal, and it's like, well, we know what happens when when we win big games. But uh, fortunately, I think it was overblown a bit. Yeah, they turned some cars, uh, but it wasn't a ton of damage. It, it it was over pretty quickly. They got a hold of it, of course. Some tear gassing was involved in it, but overall, uh, not 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 something you want to see when you win a game. I just don't get it. I truly don't understand that. Yeah, Jordan, and I, got, I, I, uh, I, I, I actually I might be going to Montreal at, at, at some point. Uh, I've got I've got a good buddy who's a season ticket holder to the Habs. I've had them for twenty years or so, and uh, you know, hopefully I, I can get in the building for Game Three or Game Four. But it, it, like more likely, we're probably watching outside. Hey, listen, That'd be a cool place to be. Yeah, Charlene's popping in and saying we got a little taste of the tear gas, but all is good. I, I just, it just, it's remarkable that uh, we're even uh, dealing with that. But I want to go back to the team, of course. Uh, Bergevin, you you look at him and that dance he had uh, <laughs> when they won, when, uh, the hop hopscotch. I think he was, you know, doing the old uh, uh, dance around. I, I don't even know is that his wife, is that his secretary, who in exact was that? But it's amazing to see the emotion this guy's got and one of the greatest suits of all time outside of John Lou, who's coming in right after you. Yeah, well, John John Lou's got some of the best style of any media member, so that's on him. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, we, just seeing a, a manager, someone in a big professional position like that, getting as excited as he is, like that is fun to watch. And like he's probably laughing right now because House fans were asking for him to be removed for years now. Fire Bergevin right into the beginning of the playoffs. They were talked about like why they should fire him and the coach, literally midway through the first series by some pretty big names in Montreal social media, and I. I I wish I had the audacity to go and say, what in the world were you thinking there? But in the end, uh, it looked like Mark Bergevin's days were numbered to Montreal. Yes. They're going to the Stanley Cup final. He was a runner-up for the GM award. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, here he is right here. Look at this shot. Yeah. Not many guys, not many people yeah. can pull that off. No, And no. he certainly can. That's uh. The mask's a little too low, but otherwise, got to say, you know, it's uh, he, he's happy. He's The suit's been a, a good luck charm. They won three games of it. So, yeah, Montreal, though, right now. Yeah. Holy crap, what a team. I, I think he gets a little bit of a pass for, I mean, making the Stanley Cup final. Mask, Matt, your mask can hang a little bit low for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And and let's just, uh, as we let you go, obviously, we're so lucky to have Stephen Ellis, a.k.a. Mario Andretti, because you're obviously doing the go-karting right now. Um, your predictions right now, I know it's tough. We'll, we'll probably do this front part of the week when we know who the Montreal Canadiens be up against. But every you, you said it best, uh, it's us against the world. And uh, they full marks. They deserve everything they're getting. So... What are your thoughts right now? Um, who's who's going to be at the advantage? Obviously, Game 7 is going to take a little bit more out of these guys. Montreal is going to have a couple days extra rest. Is that going to play in, into this at all? I don't think it'll be a huge thing on the rest side because it's only going to be a one-day difference, really. Um, and so I, I'm not too worried about that. It would be a difference if it was like two, three days. But one day, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal because they got the media day still to come up. So they will be occupied in that time as it is. Um, in terms of that, I just think I got to stop betting against Montreal at this point. I did predict them to beat uh, Winnipeg, but I didn't expect them to beat Toronto or Vegas. So uh, maybe I got to just go with them going forward. But I, honestly, I don't know. It, it's it's really tough. But 
Canadian fans have to be so excited right now. Even if they don't win the Stanley Cup, this is something that you'll never they'll never forget this season. Well, there was somebody that said I, I would have been fine in Game Seven uh, than even losing to Toronto. I still think it was a huge success. Uh, Jordan, I know you wanted to have a final question. Yeah, you know, I mean, just I I, I want to talk about the about talk Carey Price for just a second here. Um, I mean, could you say that this last series against Vegas was probably, you know, maybe top five, maybe in the best goaltender performance we've seen in a probably a single playoff series? I would argue, and if I'm talking to the one goalie coach I mentioned earlier, I would say that he was better in the Toronto series than he was in this Vegas series. So I wouldn't say one of, this was one of the best we've seen, but obviously it was incredible. Like It was great, but I wouldn't even say it's his own best of the playoffs. Just what he's done and what he's been able to do with, with the Montreal just everything just has been so good this year. The Montreal Canadiens sh- probably shouldn't be where they are, and they wouldn't be where they are without him. So uh, I wouldn't say that was one of his greatest, but it's like maybe top 10. Sure, 100%. Um, but it's not, I wouldn't even say it's the best of the year. I think that what he did against Toronto was so important, especially in those final three games. Fair. Yeah. Uh, top, top five for sure. Come on. Right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say so, but well, I guess maybe it's like the problem is they haven't gotten that this far often. So maybe he wasn't part of it. Yes. He was not the reason they went as far as they did in 2010. No. Hey, listen, uh, Stephen Ellis, always a pleasure to have you on the hockey news. We're watching everything you're doing. We really enjoy having you on, of course, and be safe when you're go-karting, please. Okay. I had to put my shoulder back in, but otherwise so far, so good. P3 in the first race. I can't complain. Not many guys can do it, but you can. Thanks guys. Stephen Ellis, Hockey News. Wow, he's uh, dynamic. Eh? He knows uh, not only everything about hockey, but he's eSport. I can't believe it. And he's actually physically driving. He's, this isn't yeah. go-kart. He's actually in a go-kart. Hey, listen, we are really excited to have this guy joining us again. I know I called him uh, today or just sent him an email. Any chance we can get you on. All we want him for is to tell us what the heck went on last night. I saw him on TV. He almost looked tired. And why wouldn't you have been? Because it was exciting. Ladies and gentlemen, John Liu. Hi, John. Hey, John, how you doing? Very tired. <laughs> I know. I know. I saw you. Thank you so much for doing this at last minute. Uh, we're honored to have you, of course. Uh, we've watched all the shenanigans. We watched what went on outside. You were talking about it on air. Just give us a couple of minutes of the whole experience from start to end. Oh, well, um, the crowd was certainly the loudest that it's been uh, for the games that uh, the fans have been allowed back in the Bell Center. So, um you could hear them really ramping up during the pregame warm-up, and then once they um, once they got into puck drop, there was there was more energy, there was more excitement, more volume to the uh, to the crowd, and so it was really um, it, it was fitting for an elimination game. Um, although having said that, the Canadians closed out the Jets on home ice too, so that was um, yeah, that was quite a moment for the crowd there. But this was something else. This was special because. With the players on the ice being able to pose with the Campbell Bowl and have their picture taken and um, just winning it in overtime again, um, that was um, it was really uh, fitting. Uh, that's the the Phil Dano line was able to to craft come up with that moment uh, simply because of the fact that they've been they've been the shutdown line for the entire playoffs and they've done it masterfully against Matthews and Marner in the first round, Kyle Connor and uh, and Nikolai Ehlers in the second round, and now 
Mark Stone generated nothing. Max Pacioretty, practically nothing. And uh, so the fact that Arturi Lekkonen and Phil Deno and, and uh, Brendan Gallagher combined for that, that really, that was that was a moment. It truly was a moment. I said on Sports Center last night, or actually early this morning. Uh, <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> um, that that was the most important goal in the last 28 years of franchise history. You did say that. Yeah. Hey, listen, yeah. Uh, Charlene's joining us. She's saying she was at the game. She drove to Montreal yesterday to see it. Uh, she was actually involved in that little bit of, as she puts it right here, you may not have seen that, but we got a little taste of the tear gas, which is crazy when you think about all this. But she said she had to stop on the way home to get her son Halls because he had no voice. I bet you there were so many people in that building when that goal went in. And as you said, know didn't really – score he didn't have a lot of offense in this series but he was as important as anyone on that team last night and throughout sure. the series well the whole playoffs really uh gooch uh, you know what um to me and I, this is not being an apologist for uh, phil dano for not generating offense but when you consider how little how little the components of the lines that he was tasked with shutting down generated zero goals by Mark Stone, one by Max Pacioretty in the entire series. Matthews and Marner combined one goal. Yes. Connor and Ehlers can't remember, but it wasn't much. It certainly was inconsequential. It was a sweep. The goals that Phil Deno and his line mates suppressed, whether it was Jake Evans or Arturi Lekkonen on that left wing, the goals that they suppressed to me are were equally important yeah, to the goal goal that they scored in yeah. that final uh, in the final game of uh, of the third round. So I mean the canceling out effect. You, you can't. I mean defense wins championships. The old cliche, right? You can't underscore the importance of what that line contributed because that's totally their identity. You know, that's yeah. um, they 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 set up, they accomplished what they were set out to do. So Phil Deneau, full marks. I mean, he takes great pride in being a two-way player and generating offense, as we've seen in the regular season. Not so much this most recent season, but the two previous full seasons. Well, I guess last season was pandemic shortened too. But right. he, Thomas Tatar, and Brendan Gallagher, very good five-on-five line for possession and production. Very underrated, but you know what? He sacrificed offense to play superb defense in this uh, in in these po- in this postseason. So full marks to him. And add to that, of course, uh, three times on the waivers, and here he is playing. As you said, probably the most important. That backhand pass was just spot on. Of course, to Lekkonen, uh and it was. I think no he Paul Byron now. Three times on waivers. That was Paul Byron. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I got the wrong information in front of me. Um, but th- talk to me a little. So I apologize for that. Talk to me a little bit about the Carey Price factor. I know we've, it's almost like beaten to a dead horse, but without him, that team, he was great, but that team would not be where they're at without him being able to do what he did and them believing in him and allowing them him, them to do what they needed to do. They blocked a bunch of shots, of course. And then that at the end, of course, it hitting him up in the shoulder high and it directing out and it led for them ending up uh, scoring that winning goal. Talk to us about the importance of how the team, not so much about Carey Price, but how they played around Carey Price. Well, we've known Price to be this very calm, uh, very calming, soothing, very zen-like presence 
for the Montreal Canadiens. And actually, if you go back to the, the the gold medal that he won with Team Canada, that's what his teammates were saying too. That they drew, the, they they. Carey Price's calmness emanated from the net outward to his teammates. When they see that a guy like that is so good and so locked in, but so calm and placid about the situation, he doesn't let the moment overwhelm him. That is a cue from a leader that resonates so resoundingly with his teammates. And that's Carey Price. That's the Carey Price factor in addition to the fact that he's technically one of the best goalies in the world, if not the best right now. I mean, if it's Tampa that wins tonight, Vasilevsky versus Price, that's going to be one hell of a goalie battle. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, truly, uh, Price's talent, his skill, his commitment, his work ethic, so much of what he does that makes him great, and I don't call very many players great, but Kerry Price is great. He is a great player. Yeah. Um, hey, listen, so much John. of what he does goes unseen. Yeah. by the public and the media for that matter because his preparation and the care that he takes in in planning and training and so forth behind the scenes that his teammates witness all his teammates will say that you know how he prepares and the work that he puts in that is a model for all of the players even though he's a goalie that still sets a, st- a gold standard for players in that room how they should behave how they should conduct themselves and he's stoic. He's like a statue. He's calm. And I've never seen anything like it. So, John, I know you're really busy. Thank you for taking a few minutes with us. I want to just add, obviously, we hopefully get you back when the Stanley Cup is in. Even if we don't, we still got to talk about your beautiful suit. Uh, I just want to ask you this. Right now, if they go into the series, uh, is Carey Price a kid? Is he the top runner for the Conn Smythe? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, I mean, he's the consummate number one candidate on the Canadians. And mm-hmm. if you look at uh, the Islanders right now, um, yeah, I think Matt Barzell is right up there. Um, I think Ryan Pollock, he's had a very good postseason as well. Um, on the Barlamov. Lightning, obviously, Braden points and Nikita Kucherov yes. if he's if he's able to play tonight and we'll see. I mean, but uh, and Vasilevsky too. I mean, Andre Vasilevsky as as he goes, so brilliant. do the Lightning. So um, yeah, there's multiple candidates in both teams on the other side, but from the Canadian standpoint, there's just no question who the who yeah. their candidate would be for the Conn Smythe. Hey John, get some rest. You've got a big week coming up starting Monday. And we'll be watching you. Always love having a chance to talk to you. John Liu, TSN. You are fantastic. Thanks, bud. Love his perspective. I can't wait to talk to him about his suit. I put on my favorite jacket just to show off a little bit to see. uh, But because it's so dark here, nobody sees it. Being in the Montreal Canadian dressing room right now, as you can see, it's been amazing. Absolutely fantastic. And you know what? John Liu gave us a great perspective. Obviously, everybody's asking or saying on, oh, Carey Price, Conn Smythe, Conn Smythe. And we're going to ask this guy that's coming up right now, Lee McGuire, who is a goalie that won the Conn Smythe without winning the Stanley Cup. And of course, he's on the golf course. John Liu's resting, and Liam McGuire is on the golf course. Can you believe it? Liam McGuire. 
Hey, Gooch. <laughs> You're on a golf course. John Lude's been working all night. I saw him late night. I think it was like 1 o'clock in the morning uh, talking. Uh, uh, you know, that was probably the most important goal in 28 years uh, scored by, of course, Lekkonen. Uh Tell us, before we get started into it, I want you to see if I've stumped you on one. Who's a goalie that's won the Conn Smythe without winning the Stanley Cup? Yeah, you got Crozier in 66, Glenn Hall 68, Ronnie Hextall 87, and Jaguar in 2003. And they joined Ronnie Hext, or uh, Reggie Leach, who was a forward, obviously, in 1976, which ironically, if Braden Point, score, uh, score, Braden Point scores a goal tonight, he will uh, tie Reggie Leach's record for consecutive games in the playoffs with a goal. So... Goaltenders have won the Consmite Trophy 16 times. Uh, you can put Kerry's name on it right now, barring a blowout. Uh, he's winning this one hands down, barring a blowout in any game. Yeah. Uh, whether they lose four straight, five, six, or seven, uh, he's, I think, is an automatic uh, MVP of the playoffs for the Consmite. They've made the final. He deserves it. It's um, Yeah, I agree with the, John's assessment of the – of the goal there's been no bigger goal obviously since uh you know since the Habs won that cup in 1993 there's 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 just no doubt about it it's just been one of the most surreal unreal runs in in NHL history it's it's up there I mean it, it, is it the greatest ever well they they'd have to finish it with a Stanley Cup but right now it's been just unbelievable Hey, listen, uh, obviously, uh, Paul Rosen picked 3-2 uh, in overtime. Uh, Francois Landerville picked 3-2 Canadians. He didn't go in overtime. And I picked 4-2 with an empty netter. I thought I was going to get it. Uh, were you confident? Were you? Did you think it was done in six? I, I, I can't say that I've ever went into a game as a Hab fan in these Vegas games saying that I think Montreal's winning tonight. You look at their play in game five, that's, as I wrote online, that's the best game I've seen them play on the road with what was on the line, given as in the semifinals uh, in, since the late 70s. I mean, they, they didn't have any game on the road like that in 93. They won almost everything in overtime. And in, in 86, they had some road victories, but, you know, you're beating Hartford. You're beating the Rangers. You know, you beat a good Calgary team, but they had just exhausted themselves emotionally against Edmonton. And the Brian Scrugland OT goal, uh, you know, in nine seconds, which is an NHL record, still fastest overtime goal in the playoffs. It's just not the same, Gooch, what we've seen here through three rounds. But having said that, there was no no point where I said, I think Montreal's winning tonight. I all I said after game two was, I think they've proven to everybody that they deserve to be there now. You can say what you want against a listless Leaf team that mailed in game seven. Leaf fans have to be so disgusted with their team. Then Winnipeg, who just imploded after a Shifley injury and losing DeMello 29 seconds into game one. And... Montreal just cruising there's still no point where I said on any given night that the Habs had a win guaranteed none Gooch not even last night for sure not last not last night and here we are they're going to the finals first time since 93 it's it's just magical brother 
Hey, listen, I know you're on the golf course. We only got a couple more minutes with you. Jordan, please put up that disclaimer for hate mail from Leaf fans about that great comment that you had. I think Leaf fans have to sit back and say, you know what? It's not quite it's not quite that bad. This team has proven that they are a good team and playing as a team. And I want to ask you uh, the thoughts on Suzuki and Caulfield because you've seen a lot of players come through the Montreal Canadian organization. What are these two men this year and especially in the playoffs? Of course, Caulfield just joining them uh, in the playoffs. What have they meant? What have they brought to this team outside of obviously Caulfield showing that he's a, a true goal? Are you looking for your golf ball? It's to the right and it's in that big bush. <laughs> no way, buddy. I just birdied my last hole, so I'm in good shape. I'm just making hey, sure great, we're not holding anybody up. Great I, I, bogey. I'm good. Great bogey. Um, no, it was a birdie. Caulfield, okay. uh, Caulfield has been a breath of fresh air. He should win the Calder Trophy in a walk next year. I cannot remember. It's been a long time since somebody has burst on the scene on Montreal with made this type of impact. His, his instant chemistry with Suzuki, I think he'd have in, instant chemistry with anybody. But the fact there are a couple guys the same age, I think they've really become kindred spirits. Tyler Toffoli's 29, so he's not like he's Corey Perry or or Eric Stahl here. But he, So he fits in nicely on that line. He kind of plods up the up the wing and and uh and and as soon as uh, he gets there usually if they haven't scored maybe there's a rebound for him but they every line in montreal they've been able to roll the lines i've never the last time montreal canadians rolled lines like this gooch was the 70s when their fourth line was doug risebrow mario tremblay and yvonne lambert like they didn't roll four lines like this in 86 or 93 or even in 89 when they had a great final and lost to calgary it's a very very unique team right now that has come off the mat, right? They limped into the playoffs. They got eight days off, which were crucial to rest up, get injured guys back. They shocked Toronto in game one and then shocked the hockey world by winning that series after being down 3-1 and losing game four, four nothing. You sweep the Jets and, and now you've beat a team that many, many people, myself included, picked to win the Stanley Cup. So I think this is... This is pretty heady stuff. And uh, Caulfield, Suzuki right now, I mean, do you need any more affirmation on that? And to look at the press conference, the presser after the game with Deno and Caulfield, they did it together. And Caulfield's talking. At, this is after they had their slice of pizza. And Deno says, you know, you are such a big part of this. You're such a big part of this. I mean, who says that to a 20-year-old kid as yeah. a vet? I mean, it's, hey, it's really special stuff going on. What's funny about that is that Suzuki actually called him a kid. He's only one year older. And listen, I'm going to let you go because I know you're looking around. One of the things I want you to do is concentrate because at our last golf tournament, Gooch at Stop Concussions Golf Tournament, Gooch hit a ball and I actually concussed a woman. I, I, I bounced the ball and it hit her in the head accidentally. There's ambulances. There's fire trucks. Oh, my God. You couldn't ask for better advertising. The listen. girl's okay. And, and she was only a lawyer, so it's no big deal. Before before True. we go, I, I got to say in a low gooch, she's uh, she watches the show. It's a dear friend. Courtney Bullis is her name. And yes. a lot of what you've done and and people who have come on your show like Rosie and these guys, what you've done for mental health and things of that nature. She's going through a tough time and her parents are very good friends of mine, especially your dad. And uh, uh, she watches your show. And I told her I'd give her a shout out. And she's uh. right now. She's right now in 
uh, things have turned around. She is really fighting hard and doing some good things in her life the last 60 days or so. So Thank I'm giving you. Courtney a shout out here on your show, Gooch, because I said I would and she watches. And a lot of what you do, buddy, and uh, you and Rosie and many others have gone a long way to help people. And uh, I just want Courtney to keep fighting. And, and uh, she's got a lot of people in her corner, including me. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And Liam, Courtney, we are here for you. Liam, uh, let's talk uh, off air uh, tonight or tomorrow. And I've got somebody that can help if we need help. All right. All right, brother. Hit him you straight, got it. kid. Hit him straight. All right, pal. See you, kid. <laughs> Liam McGuire. He said, listen, I can't make it. I got to golf. Honestly, I said, you have a telephone, don't you? So, uh, and he's a good, he's like Darren Banks. Every time I ask him to come on the show, can't, I got to golf. Can't, I got to go. How many days a week can you golf? We're on every day. All right, listen, we got uh, Dan Blackburn, I know, is in the green room. He's coming up last because we got some really important questions. We've got James Klubein, uh, a true Leafs fan. We're going to get a um, kind of a, an understanding uh, from a Leafs fan how they really feel about the success of the Montreal Canadiens. I think that's really important to get a, a, um, a perspective on how, listen, I've just been told by Jordan, uh, who's doing a great job as a producer, uh, let's pull up this picture. Right now we can't find James because James is too scared to come. Oh no, he showed up. Look at that amazing picture. And you know, not, you know what? Not one of those guys touched it. We're going to ask Dan why not. I'm sure you already know it. Ladies and gentlemen, one of our great guys with the Weekend Warriors, which we'll be doing tomorrow uh, with Jordan and myself. Ryan is taking a vacation, so we're going to have James on with us, of course. Weekend Warriors, the two young guys against the old vet, wildly veteran. So look for that show uh, over the weekend. But here he is, James Glubine. James, how you doing? Oh, look at the look. Man. Yeah. I fresh. Just got the brand new haircut. Feeling good. You look good, kid. I got to tell you that. Hey, listen, James, a few minutes with you. Here's my first question. How do you really feel as a Leaf fan right at this moment with the success of what the Montreal Can Canadiens are doing? Be honest. We yeah, want to hear the honesty. For sure, for sure. I think there's, there's good and bad. Um, we'll start with the bad. I think that, you know... The Leafs were so close, obviously being up 3-1 in the series, and you can only speculate if they if they did close out the series and if they did move on, would they be on a similar route as Montreal is? Could they be the team in the Stanley Cup Finals right now? I feel like they very well could have. Um, unfortunately, they couldn't close it out. So that part of it is very, very frustrating, seeing the Montreal Canadiens in the finals and knowing that the Leafs were that close to closing it out in, in overtime in games fives and sixes. But, you know, you do, I guess, take positive out of it, thinking, you know, some of your top guys couldn't score, like Matthews and, and Marner. Nylander got a couple, but really just not not the success or not the success you want from your team but you know Carey Price was unreal and we saw it with the Jets we saw it with the Golden Knights he shut them both down uh and now he's going to be in the Stanley Cup finals if they win he's going to win the con Smythe him and Vasilevsky are no doubt the best two goalies on the planet right now so I think you know taking what he's done to the other two teams after the Leafs it does it does help a little bit but as a Leafs fan it is stale because Last year, you know, the whole story was, oh, Cor Corpusalo played so great. That's the only reason Columbus won. The year before that was, 
you know, the Leafs played a great team and the Bruins, that's the only reason, you know, the Bruins won. So it's, it's always, you know, the Leafs seeming to run into either, you know, the best goalie on the planet or, or a team that's playing like they haven't played before, but obviously credit to the Canadians, credit to Carey Price. They were 18th going into the playoffs in the, in the regular season standing. So that's not even top 50% in the league. So in a regular year, the Montreal Canadiens might not even have made the playoffs, but yeah. obviously in this in this COVID year and and uh, and they got hot at the right time. So I mean, you can't ask for much more as a Canadiens fan, but definitely some frustration. But then also, you know, a little bit of okay, you know, maybe uh, maybe you know it was just Carey Price, but yeah. Listen, uh, Jordan brought it up that it's the first time a team seated so low has gotten to the Stanley Cup. Okay, we're going to leave you with this. Obviously, there's frustrations, but I, I've never seen Leaf fans go this kind of this crazy. Uh, look at this. And this is with a win. This, they didn't even lose. And they're turning cop cards over. So there is some solace. At least I've yet to see uh, Toronto Maple. They may be ready to jump off a bridge, but they're certainly not throwing cards over. Yeah. I, I was confused on this one. I still am confused. I don't think it makes much sense. Obviously, you know, we haven't really seen Canadian teams in the Stanley Cup final in uh, in near history. So, yes, you're excited that you're moving on and you're underdogs, and I think they shocked the world. But I don't think uh, flipping over cop cars and, and going crazy in the streets of Montreal is, is kind of the look they want. I feel like if they if they act like they belong there and act like they you know deserve to be there they should they should be winning with a, a little bit different of a style but um yeah i don't i don't think this is a, a good move or a good look on montreal fans but i don't think at this point you know they uh they care too much they're they're headed off to the stanley cup final so they got they got different issues to deal with hey james thanks for your honesty of course barry shelley how funny it is that they don't allow fans in the stadium but the the streets were absolutely inundated we had uh charlene on with us she drove in with her son to watch the game and she i just got to throw this up we got a little taste of the tear gas but all is good. All is good. I love it. Thank you for being honest as a Leafs fan. I think we're all. Che- I'm cheering for the Montreal Canadiens, even though I did say they were going to win in six. It's on. It's on film. Can't lie. Uh, I was really just throwing it out there, and I got lucky. So, James, thanks for being it. We'll see you tomorrow on Weekend Warriors. Bring your best, kid, because I'm ready. Oh, I'm excited. I'm ready. I'm excited. Right. See you tomorrow morning. James Glubine, uh, our Toronto Maple Leaf House representative, I guess you will call him that. Hey, now, you want to hear passion? You want to hear some guy that's going to give you the straight goods about being a Montreal Canadian fan and how it all played out? Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, you know him, Dan Blackburn. <laughs> okay, here, here's What's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Jordan's going to ask the first question, but before that happens, give us a little motivation. How did it all happen? Quick. (laughs) Buddy, I got so much to say from listening to your last two guests. Listen, I get that what happened in Montreal last night after the game was absolutely inexcusable, horrific, but to have a Leaf fan on there um, sort of uh, pointing the finger at the Montreal Canadiens fans, let's remember, Toronto won the, the NBA championship. And there was gunfire, so much so in a win that that the the um, we'll call it the pomp and circumstance of the event was actually cut short, and and the guests of honor, i.e. the players, were told to speed things up so they could get the heck out of there. So don't give me your excuses and your sorrow and your alligator tears 
and trying to point the fingers at Montreal, ooh, bad. Um, Toronto didn't do a very good job of being good winners back a couple of years ago with the Raptors. Dan, you really are. Oh, I think we lost him there, but <clears throat> I'll just go with my question. You know, Montreal, they played a total uh, team game. You know, it started from the from the net out, uh, took care of their own end. But the Islanders are kind of built to that very same fashion where, you know, again, it's defensive system first. But do you think that, you know, Montreal playing against like a Tampa Bay would be a better matchup than against a team that has a similar makeup to them? I, I just think that the Islanders can do what the Montreal Canadiens do, but, but better, essentially. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, if I'm a Habs fan, looking at it through the lens of, you know, Montreal's easiest uh, easiest path or path to least resistance, if Kucherov is out and and we know Stamkos is hurt, is, is playing injured, then Montreal really has to worry about Braden Point. And I think Montreal has proven what they've done in three series of how they can shut down a top line incredibly well with Deneau's line. And so I would say to, you know, to, to your point, Jordan, if Kucherov's out, um, you know, bring on, bring on Tampa. Um, if, if he's in the lineup, yeah, let's bring on the Islanders. But to your point, they're very much like a, like a scrappy, uh, you know, got to get through the fortress in order to get a scoring opportunity. The only thing I would say is different is um, New York's goaltending has been a little bit suspect uh, most of the playoffs, but certainly in, in this series in particular. Yeah, and just kind of build on that, you know, um, everyone's kind of giving like the claim to Carey Price right now, but who would you say is one guy other than Carey Price who has had a, a, probably the biggest impact on the Vegas series? I'd say Joel Edmondson. You know, Bergerman was criticized so hard when they brought Edmondson in because, you know, the, the talk was, no, no, you need a offensive-minded, a strong, you know, puck-moving defense. You need a guy who can jump up in the rush. All of this adage, which I'm not saying those players aren't required, but you look at what he did in St. Louis when they won the Cup. I mean, just an absolute, you know, I mean, Bergevin calls them calls them the, the Clydesdales. Um, it's, it's for a reason. I mean, he got beat by the net yesterday by Riley, but, um, but he has been an absolute, an absolute tank back there making very, very few bad mistakes or poor choices. And, you know, you know, as a goaltender, Jordan, when you've got a guy or guys in front of you that are going to control the puck, they're going to keep the front of the net open, and it's going to give you that little bit extra time to set and then play and set up for a rebound, man, it is, it is a, a godsend as a goaltender. So I, I, would, I would give Joel Edmondson um, that, that, uh, that nod and, and sort of those, um, you know, that leadership as, as someone that's really contributed to where the Habs are right now. Yeah, and I'm I think, add to it. Oops, oh, yeah, go, yeah, I think you can also throw John Merrill in there as well. I mean, you know, when he came back, he kind of just, I don't know, the Montreal defense kind of seemed a lot more calmer. And they're able to do more with the puck as well. So I think he's definitely worth mentioning as well. Yeah, there was a play, there, there was a play last night where on the third period where Riley Smith... He had a beat on, on on Edmonston. And Riley Smith, although he's you know he's he's not the physically biggest guy, but he is tough as nails. I've trained him. I've trained his brother, um, Brendan Smith. His brother Rory Smith, the oldest, is is probably the toughest of the of the bunch. Um, and and so when I, when you saw that play where he cut into the net, there was a part of Riley Smith that he did not want to go like deep, deep, deep into that danger zone because Edmondson was coming to cut him off. And to me, that just sends the message of, you know, I mean, I ask you, Gooch, you know, if, if, 
if I told you 14 times a game, you were going to have to go in the corner with either an Edmondson or with a, with a, a Shea Weber, and it was going to be pound. Like, eventually, our psychology would say, you know what, I, I, I think I need a little bit of a break, or let me, let me try and find a way that I don't have to absorb as much of the physical impact um, as those guys are administering. Two things. First, it's raining. Uh, we see Liam McGuire hitting a golf ball, and you're inside the, your car studio in rain. And secondly, you obviously didn't see me play. I never knew where the corners were. I was very smart. I knew how to get get out of that. Hey, listen, Daniel. Before we let you go, of course, we we always love having you. We're going to get you on, obviously, because we know how big of a Montreal Canadian we're going to get you on to talk about the actually predictions as soon as we know who's in it. So for part of next week, of course they start on Monday uh, I wanted to ask you this question um, they're playing like a team and um, you know we've got young and old that have come and and it's it's just been amazing to watch them play as a team not the team and this kid the goals he's scored let's just not say how great the goals were but these are goal score goals you've been around these dudes I play with a guy named Mark McKay identical type of person when we needed a goal he would score it in the same fashion right-handed same size and I just love watching these type of players play what you've seen so many guys you've trained so many what can you tell us about he's almost like the roadrunner Tell us a little bit about a player like that. So dynamic. Yeah, I, I say this all the time. The number one thing is confidence. That play that he made in the neutral zone yesterday to chip the puck fast. That he, he See, he knows if he can get the puck in behind the D, he's so confident. He knows he's going to win that foot race. So then it becomes less about, you know, all of the mechanics of what happens after. He just knows that he needs to somehow get this puck past whoever the defender happens to be. And, you know, they asked him after the game, they said, what was it that you, you know, how did that, that play out in your mind? And he said, he said, it's, it's just, and this is the confidence piece. It's just, it's just a decision I made in that moment. And so to all the young players out there watching Gucci, I know you have a lot of players and families that, that watch in and follow you, you know, building confidence in your players gives you the freedom to make those choices. You know, that's a, that, you know, you, someone could say that's a high risk maneuver, of Caulfield to make that play to chip it in yesterday before he scored the second goal. Because if that D steps up three or four strides, he intercepts that pass, and he's at the very least going to gain the offensive zone. But here's Caulfield, you know, this 20-year-old guy, Green, and, and you know, less than 10 games um, into his, his Stanley Cup playoff tenure, and he's making these types of decisions because he's so confident in himself that he knows – He's going to get the job done. And then the goal scoring, you saw the comment he made when, when Lehner said to him, I, I was scouting Caulfield, and I know he either goes high or five-hole. And then Caulfield's response was, well, that's good to know that he's been watching me. I guess I'm going to work some other things <laughs> into my repertoire. I mean, who's a 20-year-old kid does that with that smile he has on his face? Whether you're yeah. a Habs fan or not, how can you not absolutely love that smile and feel the infection of the joy and the natural enthusiasm that he brings to the rink. And I'm telling you, I'll say it again, I'll bookmark it by that is oozing confidence in who he, who he is as a player and who he is as a young man. But it's also the organization. you got to take into fact that, you know, Bergevin and uh, Ducharme, you know, they didn't play him in the first uh, game. Maybe just letting him take it in, take it all in as a young kid. And I got to think that, you know, having guys like Corey Perry, winner at all stages, being around that guy has got to bring him into it quicker with the confidence, right. knowing and, that he's coming into a team. Right. And let me Comment tell you this. 
yeah, let me let me tell you this. I'm not sure if people know this or not, but when Caulfield was drafted, there's one it, there was one existing player on the Montreal Canadiens that they brought into the room. And so this is about you talking about building team. This is Bergevin. This is a calculated decision. They bring Brendan Gallagher into the room to meet Caulfield. Why? Because A, he's got the experience and the leadership. B, he's not six foot nine, 260 pounds. He makes his play differently than a Caulfield, but he's made his career from being that tenacious, confident guy, no matter how big or small he is. And that message sends to a player like Caulfield is, we picked you Very because we believe in you. And whether just because someone says you're not tall enough or you're too short, we don't buy into that because guess what? Here's a here's one of the patrons, one of the members of our team, the life and blood of who we are. He's just like you. And, and to me, that sends a message right out of the gate that it's about acceptance and it's about allowing players to come in and participate and contribute the best that they can whether they're six foot seven or they're five foot seven. Dad Blackburn, you, you ooze confidence, you ooze passion. <laughs> I'm tired yeah. just listening to you in a positive way. I know, Jordan, you speak very highly of it, but I'll let you go now, and here's how I'll let you both go. Obviously, we had a couple guys, you know, making a couple jabs at the Montreal Canadiens, but you can just throw this back at any Toronto Maple Leaf fan. Please put up the grievance and sign right now, Jordan. Because I know I'm going to take it. <laughs> okay, get rid of the grievance thing. Toronto Maple Leafs last Stanley Cup parade. They, you know what? They couldn't turn over one of those chuck wagons, for God's sakes, like they did with the police car. Daniel, final word for you. Your thoughts right now. Obviously, the Islanders, Tampa tonight. I know Jordan's leading towards Tampa. I'm leading towards the Islanders. Uh, I don't believe Kucherov's going to be in it. I think that's going to be a big, huge issue for him. Uh, I think Islanders have got this. Daniel, who are the Montreal Canadiens going to end up playing against in the Stanley Cup Finals? If, uh, if Kucherov is out, I'll give it to the Islanders. And this will be a throwback matchup from the 70s and the 80s. The old Mike Bossies and Dennis Potvins and, and Tonellis and Trotzies and Gillies and Billy Smiths playing against the Montreal Canadiens. For me in the heart, it's not, you know, it's not an original six, but it's pretty darn close. And so I'd love nothing more than to see Montreal and the Islanders fighting it out for Lord Stanley. Yeah, all right, buddy. Hey, Dan, always a pleasure having you on. We're going to get you on, of course, uh, during the week as the Montreal Canadiens go up against the Islanders <laughs> or the Lightning. Dan Blackburn. Thanks, buddy. Oh, yeah. 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 Hey, Jordan, as we wrap up, of course, uh, I'm already taking it. Kevin Shea won't like that last picture. Uh, <laughs> then I'm getting not nice, Carrie. And then, of course, love the Habs on this channel. Good on you, Carrie Goulet. Thank you, Mark Simon. All right, I'm going to give you last comment. You know, Dan Blackburn, uh, I, I just love his personality. He's one of those guys that just lays it all out there. I, I, I would have loved to have had him on my team when I was in Germany because I know that he would have been you know, right behind me and uh, going into that corner while Shea Weber was coming to right me, run me, and I know he would have probably taken the hit for me because he's that type of guy. Final word to you. I mean, the, the, there's one thing I, I want to say. I mean, we had probably four or five guests on today, and not one of them really went to depth about the, four, the Montreal Canadiens' fourth line, that Perry Stahl and Joel Armia line. They were yeah, incredible. Yeah. Every time they're on the ice, they're able to cycle the puck down low, kept Vegas on their heels. And I, I think that that was one of the, the key differences in, in this series as well. 
Good point. Very good point. And of course, they all kept uh, the big boys. Mark Stone, of course, Pacioretty only scoring once. Uh, certainly did a great job on that. All right. Listen, tomorrow, the Rosen Report. Don't forget, it's the roundtable. And of course... Scott Taylor's with us, talking with Taylor. He'll be here at noon, and we'll be getting his take on the Stanley Cup Finals because we will know who is going through to play against, believe it or not, the Montreal Canadiens, champions. They said the North couldn't do it, and the North won it. All right, guys, have a good night. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to Gooch Live with your host, Kerry Goulet, better known as The Gooch. Brought to you by the Hockey News and Sports Illustrated.